Hey, this is B. Moore. Welcome to the Super Fantastic Show. Millennials have changed the world. They've changed the way we do things, everything, from how we hail a cab or rent an apartment uh, or how we address our politicians, how we learn about them. Today we have on our show True Pettigrew, who is uh, an expert on millennials, speaking the language of millennials and decoding it. So if you're looking to just make your way in the world, if, you, if you're a business uh, person, uh, an employer, an employee, anyone who's got to interface with what's happening in the world today, and that means, yes, you, you need to understand what is the conversation being had and how can you be a part of it. So take a listen. Welcome to the show. As always, the show is sponsored by Eating for Abs, the ultimate nutrition course. Visit eatingforabs.com to find out how you can achieve great health, feel great, look great, all through the power of great nutrition. Visit eatingforabs.com. All right. We have a ritual when we actually are checking the mics. Yeah. We don't do the one, two, one, two thing. We do ah. the one, two, one, two thing. Oh, okay. You pick the song. I pick the song. I what you got. Nah, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to take it back. See, if you, I'm going to really mess you up. Mm-hmm. I'm trying hard to explore. I'm not sure what all the racial wars for. Ah. It's making me more sore. I walk through a colorblind corridor, seeking... For peace in the people of meeting. Black, white, and Puerto Ricans, man, are greeting each other. Just like brothers, there's plenty and many of others who can discover the kids, fathers, and mothers in this melting pot no one felt to got prejudiced. And I can never assist someone with this. A landscape with a dark and a light handshake, having fun without one being a fake snake. So let's form a rainbow over the mountain. Let's drink from the same water fountain. Color a creed is no need for a man to bleed. I believe we all breed the same seed. Unless it's diluted from someone that intruded, then I see the family tree's been uprooted. So don't be foolish if you're Jewish or Hindu. The racial menu is the evil that men do. I was raised in a nation of Asians where hate shouldn't separate Jamaicans from Haitians. Take a taste, any race cool the rap, man. Erase the racism. Racism. <laughs> and I heard the beat, I would have caught up with you. I caught one line, and that was the evil that men do. And I'm like, little camp place? Who is it? You know, if you had spit it with a list, I would have gotten that. Got people, that's why. Let's stop racism and let you know. The My pleasure, man. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Listen, I have so much to thank you for. First of all, we met... I don't even know how many years ago now. A lot of years ago. At a dinner in the lobby of a hotel during CIAA. That is where we met. Was that the first time we met? That was the first time we met. That was the first time we mm-hmm. met. And we've seen each other several times like on the random since then. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was with uh, my, one of my business partners, Ali Muhammad, yeah. who you yeah. know well. And we were in town uh, hired by a car company to do a segment of our show that at the time we were doing probably amazing journeys at the time. Maybe it wasn't. It might have been. We've, we've done like five shows together, but right. the all digital content. And we were there shooting and, do, and doing something with recording the CIAA for uh, our previous brand, Alumni Roundup, which was the Historically Black Colleges and Universities brand. Yeah, yeah. We sat at the table. It was you and your wife. And I don't even know who else was with us because it was a table of like eight people. And at that remember, sit down, I do remember one other person that was there was Troy Brown was with me. Troy time. Brown was with you. That's right. Yeah. And I've seen you with Troy several times since then. Yeah. So at that uh, sit down, you guys, you pull out your phone or something. You pulled out, it might, might have even been a camera because who knows how long ago it was. And you showed me a picture of 
the space that you had recently moved to in North Carolina and the story about leaving Boston and how you still spend a lot of time in New York. And, and you're just like, you know, this place is incredible. This place is incredible. This place is incredible. Wow. You, wow. I remember that now. You're refreshing my memory. That's right. Years well, I, later. We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Years later, we sit in my office <laughs> <laughs> in the same town. Yep. Absolutely. So thank you, man. Hey, look, brother. My <laughs> pleasure. Now, was I lying? No, no. And you know what's so funny? One of America's best kept secrets, man. I'm not going to even tell the name of the town. I'm not, because I don't <laughs> want y'all to be my neighbor. <laughs> so, as you know, uh, Jamie and I work remotely. And when she was, uh, you know, in our conversation, she's been very patient uh, requesting more and more spaces. We lived in the Northeast. It's space is harder to come by. Mm -hmm. So we started looking. And we did a nation. First, we did it. We were open to going international. Mm. And we looked at places like Costa Rica. And the important things to us were number one, more space. So that had to do with cost of living. We, we definitely wanted to be able to understand the culture of where we were going. Mm -hmm. And most important, the number one thing was education, right. followed closely by access to family. So all the international places got ruled out because of access to family. Yep. And then we started doing that, those overlaying those variables. And this town, kept coming up for like best school systems in mm -hmm. the country. Yeah. And that made us now your neighbor. So welcome, brother. <laughs> welcome. Happy to have you, man. Can you help me find a barbershop? I'm taking that. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who's moved knows how bad that can be. Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it took me some time, trust me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. I appreciate it. So one of the things that I've noticed in just, you know, in our conversations recently and seeing your social media posts and things like that. And I know you just recently spoke at the Y. Mm -hmm. And you did uh, RTP 180. Mm -hmm. Your name, and you've made it because it's your business to do so, and you've chosen to do so. You're, you have become synonymous with the term millennials uh, and yes. educating people on, on what that's all about. So, I mean, tell me about it. What, you could have chosen anything. Mm -hmm. You could have chosen literally anything. Yeah. What, what, what drew you to the topic of, you know, educating people and brands and companies about millennials? Well, during my career in the advertising and marketing world, I spent 20 years in advertising and marketing across the two disciplines. Started off in advertising, segued into marketing. And the entire career, my entire journey of my career, I was focused on helping my corporate clients understand how to reach this audience. Now, they were a lot younger at the time when I first got into the game, mm -hmm. they, they were kids. And they, so I essentially grew up with this generation, not being a member of this generation, but kind of along a parallel path of understanding them, spending time with them, researching them in an effort to help my corporate clients understand how to connect with them in the marketplace. Right. So I spent a lot of my years, quite honestly, helping brands understand how to make money off of this generation. Right. And then as they got older and they, became, they, they began to come of age and started to enter the workplace, obviously going off to college and then entering the workplace, I began to see another opportunity, if you will, and a shift take place where the same companies that had challenges with connecting with them in the marketplace now began to have those same challenges in connecting with them in the workplace. Okay. And the challenges became greater in connecting with them in the marketplace because now they were older, they were independent thinkers, the identity formations had taken place, and they had 
really began to have greater expectations of themselves and the brands that they aligned themselves with. Mm-hmm. So that created a, a, a even more challenges for, for the brands in the marketplace and the workplace. And so I saw a need to really help bridge those gaps, but not just for the brands, because I saw this group of young people that I spent so much time understanding and, and researching realize that while I need to figure out how to find my way and these organizations that exist aren't necessarily, I don't, they didn't feel like they were the answers for them for what they were looking for. Right. So <clears throat> do me a favor and just take it back to the basics. Who are millennials and what defines them, I guess, and separates them from the previous generation, which I guess is Gen X. Is that right? Yeah, yep. Okay. Gen X. Yep. So the millennial generation is the generation born between 1980 and the year 2000. Okay. So that's this current generation of young adults, essentially. Right. You know, roughly between the ages of 16 and 35. Mm-hmm. All right. So that is the millennial generation. Okay. This is the most diverse generation we've ever seen. It is the largest generation we've ever seen. And this, the, one of the most unique things about this generation that really separates them not only from Xers and even boomers, because prior to millennials, boomers were the largest generation right. we'd ever experienced. And, and like they were the it generation. It was boomers, boom. Nobody ever talked about Gen X. You know, Gen X was just like the lost generation. <laughs> But boomers, they would they were the men, they were the women, like they 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 put it down. Right. And so now millennials have come to challenge that. They're the largest, they are the most educated generation we've ever seen. They have exceeded baby boomers in their um, spending power and their influence on spending. And so there are a host of things that millennials are now the most dominant in. And so they're warranting a lot of attention. But the thing that I think creates the biggest generation gap between millennials and their older generational counterparts is they are the first truly digital native generation. Mm. The very first. Now there'll be others behind them. Right. But I think the gap is so broad because they're the first. They've they've always been accustomed to technology and they're they're digital natives. And so that in itself has inspired values and influence behaviors that otherwise wouldn't exist without the technology being around. Right. So <clears throat> talk for a second about the power of understanding a generation. So we know that growing up, uh, watching the baby boomers be, you know, the big generation, that influenced the way commercials were, the music the commercials chose and, and, and things like that. What other, give me just some raw examples of why it's important to understand a large group of people like that and, and, and historically how it's worked out for or against companies. The, the generation that is coming of age at any given time, depending on the generational archetype and the personality of that generation, truly inspires and defines and guides and directs everything in society from it influences politics it influences the economy, it influences religion, it influences lifestyle, and a host of industries. It, education, it really impacts and influences how society approaches all of these different things, whether we like to see it that way or believe it or not. So uh, an example of millennials, 
the now obviously with each generation there are generational shaping events mm-hmm. that help define how that generational personality is shaped. Right. Things that are just taking place during that time. So whether it is a, a, a war that's going on, whether it's the economy. So we just recently talked about, you know, coming out of the recession. And so these things, you know, 9-11, all of these things shape your generational personality and your worldview. So that affects each generation different because the generational shaping events that take place during the period in time that a generation is coming of age is unique to that generation. Right. So that has an impact on how on their worldview and how they see the world. So I, an example for this generation is we are really have approached what I call a the collaboration generation, and it has affected us by being more of a collaborative economy. Now. Okay. So we see Uber. That is part of that is an example of a collaborative economy. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily looking to do this on my own. I'm looking at what are the resources that are available to me where I can include other people as a part of this business model and leverage them as a part of my business model. Right. Airbnb. I'm not look this these are all models that are part of the collaborative economy. We see the uh, the 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 election of President Obama. Millennials got President Obama into office, and it was because he gave a message that resonated with them. It was a message of hope, and it was a message of of purpose that they resonated with that they're looking for. And so it's the in in, in politics they were looking for someone that just wasn't about a political party. Now, although he was a Democrat, his message was universal and how he was looking to change the world. Right. Right. The world, not just the, the world. Right. And so that was something that they rallied around and were able to get behind because he ran with purpose and not just on a campaign solely. It was a message of purpose of how I'm going to impact change of not only for you as a generation, but for the world and the things that they care about. So those are some examples mm-hmm. of how this generation is shaping the economy, it's shaping politics, it's shaping education, it's shaping uh, the workforce. More and more people, not just because of the economy, more and more millennials are looking to be entrepreneurs simply because they, the brands that they want to align themselves with they're looking for brands going back to purpose that have a purpose beyond profit. And these brands are just strictly focused on bottom lines. And that's cool for a minute, but they want to be a part of something that's bigger than that. Now, <clears throat> you bring up Airbnb and Uber, which I, I love. I love both of those services. They're incredible. I've also heard the arguments about how they also might necessarily not be a good thing for our economy because – you know, for, I guess for different reasons. I guess you're taking, for Airbnb, you're taking power away from the hotel chains, I guess, and maybe the employers who would otherwise. Is it, is it bad for jobs? How, is, how, is, how have millennials and the choices that they make, because I'm clearly excluded. <laughs> I've aged myself out. <laughs> uh, how are they uh, impacting our economy? Um, is it increasing the the, the financial the, the the gap between the haves and the have nots? Is there um, is there an understanding that the rest of society still has yet to grasp as to how to participate in the new economy, which is influenced by millennials? I mean, what do we not companies, but what do people need to know? 
I mean, I think that's it, that it is bridging the gap between the haves and the have-nots. This is one of the things that people need to know. I'll, I'll break it down for, and this is through, through, you know, when researching for writing of my book, Millennials Revealed, as you're familiar with. I came across some guys, so I was already familiar with these guys who have this generational theory of each, they're called generational turns. And so essentially every 20 to 25 years, we go through a different generational turn. Okay. And during that turn, those generational shaping events form the generational archetype of whatever generation is coming of age during that time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's a generational high, it's a generational awakening, it's a generational unraveling, and then it's a generational crisis. And it goes in that order. It goes from a high to an awakening to an unraveling to a crisis. Okay. And so what I would suggest right now is based on the things that are taking place is we're in, in the middle of a generational crisis. And what happens during that time, so during a generational high, industries and institutions are thriving and are strong and they are dictating how society moves forward. Okay. The economy is solid, the economy is strong, and the power is held by big business and institutions and corporations, whether that be government, whether that be law enforcement, corporate America, banks, big business and institutions, mm -hmm. and they dictate how society moves forward. Okay. So during an awakening, people start to feel like, all right, well, that's cool, but I feel a little bit of a of 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 a of a of a spiritual bankruptcy or of my identity is bankrupt you know i want some autonomy some individual autonomy and having a, my own identity and not just put everything in the power of big businesses and institutions mm -hmm. so then that's that generation's role and then the next generation after that during the unraveling starts to really pick apart the big institutions and the big business and say you're not for the you're not really for the people. You know, you're for yourselves. Right. And so then during the crisis, the generation that is coming of age during crisis mode, which is based on that continuum, I would say is the millennials, they completely have dismantled big business and institutions and have established their own personal autonomy and identities and who they are and what they represent and they're much more civic minded and coming together and collaborating with other like-minded individuals to tear down but rebuild institutions in a way that is much more community-focused and civic-minded mm -hmm. to usher society back to a generational high. Wow. And so that's where we are right now, is this generation, and the, the nickname for this generation is the hero generation, ironically enough, because they are going to usher society back to a generational high and what businesses need to understand and look at is, are you one of those businesses that are more civic-minded, more purpose-driven, more focused on social good? Because those are the ones that are going to sustain and last. And the ones that are not are going to be the ones that are going to be destroyed and rebuilt based on all of those values of doing social good. Shout out to Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> You follow me? I got you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, we see the emergence of B Corps, you know, no, no pun intended, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> of, of, of B Corps and, um, um, and benefit corporations. Right. We're starting to see the emergence of the, the organizations like Tom Shoes, like Patagonia, like Ben and Jerry's. These are all B Corps, benefit corporations, who are governed by a, a, a criteria 
of doing social good. And they are certified benefit corporations by a governing body that determines whether or not they meet the criteria of doing social good as mm-hmm. a part of their business plan and as a part of their business model and as a part of how they allocate their revenues and their earnings. And they <clears throat> receive some type of government friendliness as a result or what? No, no. So what's the benefit of being a B Corp? Is that you let people know that you are about doing social good and making this world a better place. Got it. And then what that does, and if you look at, take, do, do this on your own, and for all those that are listening, take a look at some of the B Corps out there and look at their revenues, look at their bottom lines. Hmm. They're doing well. Right. They're thriving because they are appealing to the sensibilities and the expectations of a generation, of a society, and a generation of people that are now holding big business and institutions accountable. Like 92% of millennials believe that corporations, the success of a corporation should be defined as much by its contribution to society as its bottom line. I agree. You mentioned, and I know in one of your speeches that I saw, there were three Ps. Am I right? Or did I get the wrong letter of the alphabet? prepare, perform, (laughs) prevail? One was purpose, wasn't it? Oh, oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yes, Um, yes, it is this... This is how things have worked from a generational standpoint, okay. right? And so it goes back to one of your original questions about the distinction. So from a baby boomer standpoint, and the three Ps are product, personality, and purpose. Okay. Those are the three Ps. And when you go through, give me an example of each that, like, give me an example of product with that, mm-hmm. re, you know, respective generation and yep. so we can kind of put it together in our no, mind. Absolutely. Be happy to. So for the baby boomer generation, it was about product. Organizations and brands wanted to have a quality product and spread the message that, look, we have the best product available by our product because we have the best product. And boomers rallied around that messaging, that marketing, that advertising. It was really all about the product, right? And so if you said, for boomers, if you said Tide washed whiter than any other detergent, then boomers were like, well, gosh darn it, I'm getting Tide because <laughs> right. Tide washes whiter. That makes sense, but okay, yeah. Right? <laughs> right. And so as we progressed to the next generation of Gen X, that wasn't enough anymore. That was basically a point of entry. Okay, you just had to have quality product to even be in the conversation, to even be in the game. Right. Gen X, you guys, that's you, you guys wanted the brand to have some personality, right? So you wanted to personify the brand, if you will. So is this a brand that I would want to hang out with? Does this brand have the same type of personality as me? Is this brand quote-unquote cool? Right. So then you started having brands like Coca-Cola and Pepsi, and I don't want to give no brands no shout-outs, but right. you started having brands uh, align themselves with celebrities to get the borrowed equity of that celebrity's personality, mm-hmm. to send a message that, hey, this is how we are. We're just like this person. We know you like this person, we have the same type of personality as this person, so you should like us. Right. And that wasn't happening with the previous generation. They weren't using celebrity endorsement like they did in the... Not during the time of the Gen X. Wow. No, okay. Not, not, not that way. Because that's mean, my we, whole entry. I don't have the previous history. I mean, you, you right. as a studier of marketing, you know, you, you go back beyond my scope. Yep. So in my, like you said, I'm Gen X. Mm-hmm. I'm immediately, okay, I can, I can think every product that I wanted to have definitely had a face attached to it. And I probably wanted to be like that guy, mm-hmm. like who didn't want to jump higher? Right. Like 
that guy with his yeah. tongue out when he played. Yeah, exactly. You know, you give me a check. I'm not shouting you <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, if I could be like, right? <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. Exactly. And so right. on. Okay. And so they, 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 that campaign almost literally put the personality in play for you, saying that you want to be like this person. Right. Right. <clears throat> and so now we have progressed down a continuum with the millennials that has evolved from product to personality mm-hmm. to now purpose where Gen X pressured, for lack of a better term, organizations to personify the brand, millennials now want you to humanize the brand. Okay. And they want to know, what is your contribution to the greater good? I understand you're making money, you're doing this. That's cool. That's, I get it. But what, what, what is your purpose beyond profit? What are you doing to make this world a better place, to make society a better place, just to make the community a better place, make my neighborhood a better place? Right. What's your purpose? Now, that purpose, is that on top of also, is it building on top of the uh, aligning with, what was the middle one? The, the personality. Is it, yeah, is yeah, it on top so of the, personality the, and product? Absolutely. Correct? So the product, once again, point of entry, have to have it. Right. So it's building on top of those things. You also have to have personality? You have to have personality. Okay. You don't always necessarily need the celebrity endorsement in the same way mm-hmm. that Gen X expected it. With the personality needs to come through and whoever is the representative of that brand, it could be the CEO. Okay. It could be... Branson. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, it's so it doesn't necessarily have to just be a paid celebrity, but it can be someone that is in partnership with that brand and really has a vested interest in equity stake in that brand, celebrity or not. And what what's what's changed with this generation is they don't celebrity partnerships and endorsements were about influence, mm-hmm. influencing your behavior because you wanted to be like that person. Millennials are saying, I don't just want to be influenced, I want to be inspired. Okay, that's nice. So let's break our rule. Give me three or one of each company that did it well in each category. So one product brand that did it well, I guess, would be Tide. Yep. Okay. Tide kind of yep was the man back then. Who was? Give me a second example for who did it right with personality. Uh, with personality, I would say Pepsi did a really good job with personality. Who did they? They who, had. Who's the guy? The, or person or people. Yeah, I mean, everybody from Michael Jackson to Ray Charles to the um who who was it? Well, Ray Charles even had the 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 girls and everybody kind of got yeah. familiar with that. Yeah. Then they uh more modern day, they had Beyonce. They had Kanye. Kanye, you know, yeah. so they really tapped into the culture. So of, one product, but it can be different people. Mm-hmm. That just align with, okay, we pick the coolest people. Who do the people want to be like? Right, exactly. And, and okay, now who's doing those two well and then also adding on purpose? Uh, I would say a brand like, and I, I mentioned it before, a brand like Tom's Shoes. Yeah. You okay. know, Tom's who is giving money. So every time you purchase a pair of Tom's Shoes, mm-hmm. they're donating a pair of shoes or a, or a dollar amount to go towards someone who is in need of a pair of shoes in, in another country, in a struggling country. Right. So I understand the product and I understand the purpose. I, I'm at a loss for the personality there. And this is the beauty of it, right? It's because now with this generation, with the power of digital, social, and mobile, that the people themselves 
can become brand ambassadors for the personality of a brand when you have enough people that are touting your message and vocalizing your message and propagating your message. Mm -hmm. If you were to go on social media or go on the Tom social media page or, and then, or their website even, and then you see the types of people that are representing and pushing and promoting and propagating that message, that is a, as strong of a brand's personality as, as any celebrity could be. Right, right. That's great. So you're the hero. Yeah, absolutely. You bought the shoes. Uh, you understand our purpose. You are the hero. And then now you're inspiring <clears throat> and influencing your peers that are like-minded individuals to do the same. Right. That's great. Anybody else who immediately jumps off the, off the page who's doing really well in terms of millennial communication? You know who's doing really well is, is Red Bull. Okay. Yeah. And Red Bull is making, once again, the individual the hero. You know, their message, Red Bull gives you wings, right? So mm -hmm. we all understand that. And I don't want to, you know, big them up too much on your program. But <laughs> it's the individuals. They have a, a purpose that is seems to be organic or intuitive to this generation that I am here to help elevate you in whatever it is you do. Right. That's good. That's good. Okay, so next question. Yeah. From all the things that you know about millennials and as big as that generation is, mm -hmm. if you were to, just at the snap of a finger, become the national brand developer or crafter of messages for, let's say, the police department, mm -hmm. how could they better understand and benefit from who millennials are? And what would you what would you what would you work to do? What would be one of your goals? You know, how would you start to craft their their operation? Well, something that I'm actually doing right now. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's really with the um, the town that we live in, mm -hmm. with that local law enforcement, that police department. Okay, I am working with them on an initiative called Building Bridges, mm -hmm. and it started off as an effort to build bridges between law enforcement and the African-American community, okay. specifically with an emphasis and a focus on the, the, the youth right. segment, the young adult, the millennial segment, because of all the things we've been seeing going on in, in the media with the injustices with um, law enforcement and members of the African-American community. And so my approach to them, or my strategy, if you will, is one of the things that I said to the chief early on is frequency breeds familiarity, familiarity breeds trust. There's a lack of trust that exists probably with your officers. There's an element of fear and a lack of trust that exists with your officers, and there's an element of fear and lack of trust that exists with this, this generation of young people. And it's not just, and I talk to millennials all across the country from all different backgrounds, um, ethnicities, and races, and it's not just the African-American community who feel this way. And that's the one thing about this generation being so diverse. They really look for you to embrace diversity and share in the same level of cultural curiosity that they have. Mm -hmm. And when organizations don't share in that, then you're going to get the side eye from them. Like, yo, really, really, what's, what's really good with you? You know, this is this a culture of collaboration or not that you're representing. Right. And so it's really that frequency, familiarity, and trust. And that comes through spending time with the members of the community, going into the community, 
Don't just be a, a, a distant observer of what's going on in the community. Become an active participant of what's going on in those communities and those millennial, uh, those, those millennial communities and, and cultures. And that, that is what really will break down that, that barrier that exists. Uh, a lot of young people now, going back to the African-American specific, that have said to me directly that they aren't here to protect and serve us. They're here to police us. Now they can. It says right on the side of their car that they're here to protect and serve. But you know, I, I don't believe you. You need more people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I had no idea you were involved in that, and we believe in that wholeheartedly. Uh, as a matter of fact, in front of you, there's a police mouse pad that came from our our sons. My wife and I have two sons, and they both participated in our local police week, which means they go for a week with the police department mm. all day. And they, they, they learn about different roles that the police play, different departments. And at the end, they have this big graduation ceremony where they, you know, kind of they have the bagpipes and they walk them in and they have to kind of military style salute and they come up and they're greeted by the mayor. And it was so important to us uh, to have them involved in that because we didn't want the first experience they have with authority outside the house to be like a negative one and confrontational. And also, it wasn't just on their own conditioning part, but it was also about making sure that when an officer sees my son out in the street, that it's not the first time that they've experienced and encountered my son. Mm. You know, it, it was just, it's a necessary handshake. And and my, my father has participated in the program. My two young sons have participated in the program. I guess I'm the slacker. <laughs> but but uh, it's huge, and I'm, I'm really happy you're doing that. It's fantastic. Uh-huh. As a dad yourself, I mean, you're, you're, you're planting a seed that's going to help yourself out years to come. Well, I'm, I'm smiling as I listen to you talk because you, you don't know this story, and I'm just realizing you don't know I do this. Right? I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just um, did a program with the police department down at Central just two days ago, two days ago, where I had them there interacting and engaging in what I call a, a rap session. Right. With the uh, with the students and really allowing the students to ask whatever questions they want to ask and having the police share with them why. This is a big thing going back to the word of purpose. This generation really needs to understand why, Mm -hmm. you know, and with them, uh, one piece of advice I would give anyone is always start with why. Right. You're working with this generation and dealing with this generation. But I'm smiling because the how I got involved (laughs) with the police department. It's been over a year now, um, going on two years, that I've been doing these programs, this Building Bridges initiative with them. And it started after one of the incidents that was in the news, and it was just building and mounting frustration about seeing so many of these young black boys getting killed at the hands of police officers. And it was just so frustrating to me. And during one of the rap sessions that I have at my home, uh, I remember having conversation with some of the men and some of the brothers in there and them saying that, you know, man, if these police were more involved in the community and took time to get to know the people that live in their community, this wouldn't happen. And I thought about that. And as much as I agree with that, I challenged the the brother that said that and said, so is the onus solely on them to build that relationship? So what's stopping us from going up to an officer when we see an officer and just introducing ourselves and establishing that familiarity on our own? So I practice what I preached. I kid you not, and I'll make sure I introduce you to the police chief and the, the, the members of 
the police department here, and they'll tell you this story. We laugh about it all the time whenever we go out. I went down to the police department mm-hmm. and said, I need to meet somebody, mostly for my son. You know, right. I have a three-year-old son, Austin, coming, coming up in this community, uh, predominantly white community, and so he's going to stand out, right? And I didn't want him to be one of those incidents or tragedies or statistics that we've been seeing on the news. So my sole purpose for going down there is because I wanted someone, not not someone, I wanted the members of this local law enforcement not only to know who I am, but more importantly, to know who my son is. Right. So if they ever see him, as he gets old, he's three now, but, you know, <laughs> if he as he gets older and we grow up here, I want that familiarity with him to be developed from this young age. That's right. So if they ever see Austin coming out of the the Target or w- whatever, and he's maybe he's acting up, maybe he's not. If it's even a case of mistaken identity, which I have been subject to, mm-hmm. I want that level of familiarity for them to say, "Oh, Austin, what are you doing?" Don't make me call your dad. Right. Don't make me call <laughs> True. Don't make me call your dad. Right. And, and I explained that to them. They got it. And much, much, much to their credit, this program has, has been thriving. But it all started because I said, you know what? I need to have a left. They need to know who I am. But more importantly, they, they need to know who my son is. That's right. That's and, great. And they do. Chief knows my son. Assistant chief knows my son. Captains, I mean, and all through, all, all the way down. That's you know fantastic. Austin is. That's great. Yeah. I'm coming with you one time. Let me know when something, I'm coming down. Yeah. But I I laugh because I went through the um, Citizens Police Academy that you were explaining. Okay. So I went through the Citizens Police Academy, graduated, got my certificate, and (laughs) the whole nine. So it's pretty funny to hear you tell that story. That's good. I I didn't know that, you know, now we have to get involved in the one here because that was from where we lived before. Mm -hmm. So that's important. That's great stuff, man. I love it. Now, you said something about um, millennials need to know why. Mm -hmm. And, And that strikes a chord with me because as you know i have uh my team of professionals who help people to just uh live longer lives Mm -hmm. you know uh unmedicated healthy you know our our kind of goal is healthy 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 dead Mm. not healthy healthy sick 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 dead right (laughs) you know right um and one of the the foundational lessons especially when i'm working with somebody one-on-one is you need to have in big letters, is, is we call it the big why. Like, it doesn't make sense for me to tell you how something works or, you know, tell you about the science that you could read in some book somewhere else. There has to be a motivating factor behind any change that we're going to undertake because you're going to be pushing this. I can't pull you through this thing. Mm-hmm. You've got to make the decisions that you're willing to push through the process and that's only ever been successful when somebody has a strong enough why. Yeah. The reason. And, and and that could be you know it's different for everybody, but it's it's interesting that it, that also is the same and aligns with the values of the millennial generation as you know it's a, a nice kind of fun common point to know that that's that's there. No, absolutely, man. They they need to know why, mm-hmm. and that's part of their motivation. You know, don't, don't just tell me what I need to do. And I think older generations take that as a bit of a sign of disrespect sometimes. Stop asking so many questions and do the damn thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, I tell you, man, it, that's just not the way that it works with this generation. Right. Right. Speaking of health and wellness, you've lost some some inches, man. You I'm, dropped some pounds. One or two. <laughs> <laughs> or, or times ten. <laughs> so what I know is, you know, before we even talked about it, I knew that you had lost some weight since I had seen you a year ago. Right. 
And then I know that you are, I don't know if it's over or not, but I know that you're involved in the challenge with some friends of yours. Uh-huh. Is that still going on? No, that, that challenge is over. Did yeah. you win? I did not. What? I believe it or not, you I did not. You should have came to see me. Uh, I'm not making any <laughs> excuses, but there are some reasons, but no excuses. But In I the words not. of Ordell Roby, reasons? <laughs> reasons? You're going to give me reasons? <laughs> So you were in a vault, you were in a, I don't know how long it was, but it was about how many miles did you guys could run? It was most run? miles in a month. Right. Okay. Yeah. And how many, do you know what your number was? Uh, I did 150. And what was the winning number? I think he did, man, it was like 162 or something like that. Mm, just 12 miles. Yeah. Okay. Well, big ups to, what is his name? Give him a shout out. TK. My man TK. He well did done, it. TK. He put in work. Yes. And what did you learn in this month? During the, the, the competition? Yeah. Is that it's really about hitting the the a set number, mm-hmm. you know, for me because what I didn't factor in was the time management of it all. Right. It wasn't due to lack of ability or capability. Mm-hmm. I could have run. I, I mean, I could get up right now, and this isn't to boast. I just know where I I've gotten to. I could probably get up and run 15 miles right now, no problem. Okay. Right. So it wasn't the lack of ability to do it. Mm-hmm. It was the the threshold and of 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 time, the bandwidth of time, not threshold, but the bandwidth of time. Right. You know, because I was doing, a, I was traveling, going to speaking engagements, and hey, awesome stuff, right? So I'm not knocking that, not complaining that, not complaining about that. But that's what I learned is that we can do whatever we set our minds to do. We can push ourselves to accomplish because when we first started this, I had no idea that I would even make, that I would do 100 miles in a month. Right. Let alone exceed Mm -hmm. 100 miles in a month. But when you put your mind to something, you really can, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but when you put your mind to it, you really can. The body is is an amazing thing. Yeah. You know, and you can push it to limits that you never thought you could. So I know that your wife, hello, Tamika, is, hey, baby. is this? <laughs> he's an incredible fitness instructor. Oh boy! Now, how did she help you with that? With with the running thing, or did she encourage you? I'm sure she, she was. Was she? I know she was probably cooking real food at the house. She absolutely. She was definitely encouraging. I got. Can I just tell you, man? And I know there are husbands such as yourself who would and should disagree with this, but I have the most awesome wife on the planet. <laughs> I am so serious right now. I mean, she is so extremely supportive in any and everything that I do. Mm -hmm. And she was very helpful from a diet standpoint, making sure I was eating better, eating right. And so to make sure I could, you know, sustain myself doing all of these miles and running and giving me the right protein and the things that I needed. Right. And then encouraging me to go. Now, as, as a wife should, you know, on those days when I was like, do two a days and I would like do 10 in the morning and then 10 and she'd be like, oh, you sure you should, you know, all right now, you know, take it easy, you know? <laughs> so as she, you know, expressing some concern and making sure I'm not overdoing it. Right. But at the same time, encouraging me to, to accomplish my goal. Good. So you, you, uh, you did 150 miles. Congratulations. Yeah. Had you lost the weight before that time? I'm sure that contributed. Yeah, I, I, I had. Yeah. Okay. Because I had become much more health conscious. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of it just had to do with understanding what my legacy, you know, I had a, a kind of a, a moment of reflection, if you will, 
uh, several years ago and just really thinking about what's what's my legacy going to be. Mm. And then, you know, my son came into the picture and that really gave me motivation to stay healthy. You know, I had already begun that journey and that was added motivation to stay healthy. I go to the to the play, Austin's three, right? And so I go to the playground sometimes, B, and I'll go to these bounce houses, these jump parks, and something as little as being able to crawl through those obstacle courses with my son. Yep. It's something that I would have normally taken for granted, but when, I, when I'm there and I see that there are other dads that can't do that, mm-hmm. it, just, it just really makes me appreciate the importance of health from a quality of life standpoint and understanding what's really most important to you. One of the things that I, I have an executive coaching program, not you know the physical coaching, like you know the health and wellness, but just um, life coaching and career coaching. And one of the right. things that I talk to people about is understanding what's most important to you in the different areas of your life, whether you know in, in your family, in your faith, in your career, in your physical health and wealth. Like these are things that are real. Uh, buckets in your life that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And I realized one of the things that's top of the list for me, as it should be for most people, is the quality time I get to spend with my family, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm so grateful that I've taken this path of entrepreneurship where I can have a little more autonomy over my schedule and spending this quality time with my family. But being able to Get down and crawl uh, in the mulch with with Austin <laughs> is it means the world to me. Yeah, and I'm able to do that, and so that's one of the reasons that just keeps me motivated, man, for staying healthy. That's fantastic, man. I I think we covered it, and I want everybody to definitely check out Millennials Revealed, my man True Pettigrew. That's T R U Pettigrew, and and also download his album from 1986 because he's nasty <laughs> with it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for coming to the show. This won't be the last time. Not at all. We love you, man. Thanks. Love you too, brother. The Super Fantastic Show.